0: When thinking of religious extremism, it's often that people will think of things like the 9-11 attacks or the church burnings in Norway, but not very many people talk about religious extremism in the Christian church. Now, I want to be clear here, I know that most Christian people and churches are good. Generally, most people around Arkansas are good people, and they do take their religion at least somewhat serious. They don't call us the Bible Belt for no reason. It's estimated that around 77% of adults in Arkansas believe in God with absolute certainty and around 41% attend religious services at least once a week. So, considering that there are 5,956 churches established in Arkansas, statistically, there has to be a nut job or two thrown into the mix. This is the story of one of those nutjobs, Tony Alamo, the evangelist cult leader who, for several years, brainwashed and abused his churchgoers. Coming up, on Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. A maniac, a raving thing, the cruel eye studying you. There is a fifth dimension, beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. We all go a little mad sometimes. This is unnatural acts in the natural state. No. Nope. Tony Alamo was born as Bernie Lazar Hoffman to a Jewish family in 1934 in Joplin, Missouri. Throughout the 60s, he lived in Hollywood, California, trying to make a career as a pop star performing under the name Mark Hoffman and Marcus Abad. He also worked as a music promoter and ad man. While he was in a corporate meeting, he says that he hears God talk to him. He claims that God told him to quote, preach that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth and that if he doesn't repent his sins, he would burn in hell. So, in 1969, he left the music world and he and his wife Susan Alamo started what they called a street ministry. They called it the Alamo Christian Foundation. With this street ministry, they hoped to create a new community. Several of the members were disenfranchised young adults who pretty much had no place to go. It's said that several, if not the majority, of the earliest members were either former or current addicts. He lured what were essentially kids or teenagers into joining him and his community with promises of salvation of a new life and family. Because of their evangelical nature, they were almost immediately the center of controversy. During these early days, a young Jewish girl, who will remain unnamed, hitchhiked from Brooklyn to California after attending Woodstock. It was here that she was recruited into the Alamo Christian Foundation. Once she was in the group, Tony and Susan arranged a marriage for her. They literally made her marry someone, and, like, this was in the 60s, so it wasn't, like, some old-school, like, Chinese arranged marriage thing, like, this was, this was relatively recent in the grand scheme of things. The reason for this was because this man was of Lebanese descent. They had just assumed that he was Arabic based on how he looked, and saw this as a perfect opportunity to show the public that they represented peace between Arabs and Jews. Kinda like, hey guys look we're peaceful, look we even have an Arabic and Jewish couple. They believed that Jesus Christ couldn't come back until the Jews and Arabs were at peace. All of this alone, their recruiting tactics, their beliefs, even arranging a marriage is very culty activity. and from here it only gets worse. So the two were married in 1974, and only a year later they had a son together, a boy named Benjamin Risha, or Ben for short. He was known affectionately by the Alamos and throughout the cult as a quote, peace child. By this point there are hundreds of followers. It had grown so much that their property, which at the time was north of Los Angeles, was too small for all of their live-in members. So Tony and Susan, as well as all their members, packed up and moved to Dyer, Arkansas, Susan Alamo's home state. So, that kid I mentioned earlier, Benjamin Risha, his dad was completely brainwashed. He was obsessed with the Alamo Foundation and even named Ben's middle name, Tony, after him. His dad even said in an interview that he quote, doesn't have any desire to go back out into the world. That is some creepy Heaven's Gate Kool-Aid stuff right there. But Benjamin's mom, however, had grown a different taste for the cult. After Ben was born, she was forced into harsh labor. She was being worked 11 to 18 hours a day for no pay. She was literally a slave to Tony Alamo and his cold. And it's not like it was easy paperwork, no. This was laborious work. So much that there were times where she would even pass out because of the exhaustion. And she wasn't the only one. There were several of the hundreds of members who were unhappy with the abuse. Finally, when Ben was six months old, his mother was tired of the abuse. Besides the slave labor, she was also being verbally abused by Susan Alamo, sometimes even on television, publicly humiliating her on purpose. She desperately needed a way out. Leaving was her only option, despite being across the country from her family or anybody that she knew. She was literally isolated from the world and everybody in it, except for her fellow cult members. So she hatched a plan. She and another friend who was tired of the abuse would pick Ben up from the babysitter and then escape. She would do anything to get out and away from the cult, but when she went to pick up her baby, she couldn't find him. She looked around for a few minutes, then checked the nursery and frantically knocked on the neighbors' doors. Turns out, Ben's father had, for whatever reason, decided to pick Ben up that day without his mother's knowledge, hence his absence. So she made the hard decision to leave without taking Ben with her. Imagine the kind of desperate state a mother has to be in to leave her baby. To her, that cult was hell, and she had to do whatever she could to get out, even if that meant leaving her 6 month old baby. Ben was left with his father, but he was a traveling carpenter, so he wasn't around enough to raise Ben. So who else steps in to raise him? You guessed it, Tony and Susan Alamo. Believe it or not, Ben was actually treated very well. He was universally considered the Alamo's son by everybody in the cult. Because of that, he was treated like royalty. And considering how big the Alamo's mansion on their compound was, he pretty much lived like royalty too. The Alamos essentially forced two people together and stole their son. Good folk, those Alamos. As time went on, the abuse and brainwashing just got worse. Tony and Susan would preach to their faithful followers every single day, telling them things like, if they left, they would die and go to hell. Classic manipulation, obvious brainwashing tactics. This was a group of already vulnerable people, mind you. They were addicts, prostitutes, etc. And they were promised salvation through the Alamo Foundation. These weaker minded people were easier for the Alamos to get into their clutches and even easier to hold on to. So, I've explained the exploitation of labor, the brainwashing, and even the arranged marriage at the hands of the Alamos, but I haven't actually gotten into the physical violence from Tony Alamo, which there was a lot of. There are countless stories of Tony Alamo's temper often getting out of hand and him hitting his followers. For a long time though, Ben Risha was safe from his abuse. Susan Alamo was very protective over Ben, often being the only thing standing in the way of Tony's rage. That is, until Susan died of breast cancer in 1982. But Tony's rage was the least of the craziness. Tony's immediate response to his wife's passing was claiming that she would return from the dead. I am not making that up. He truly believed that after three days, his wife would come back from the dead because it was prophesied in the book of Revelation. So, following her death, he had her embalmed, put into a closed coffin, and moved into the living room of the house where they lived and required the cult members to pray around the body non-stop. This went on for six months, for six months the woman's body just sat in the living room of the Alamo mansion. They finally had to remove her because apparently the smell had gotten too bad. So they moved the body to a mausoleum next to the heart-shaped pool on the compound. When Susan didn't come back from the dead, Lazarus style, Tony blamed the followers for quote, not praying enough, not trying hard enough, not giving up enough. Attacking their faith, as well as attacking them physically. Now, with Susan gone, there was nobody there to keep him in check. Without her, he spiraled further into madness. Unnatural Axe will be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey man, do you have automotive problems? You gotta stop by Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. You know, the building with the wing mural on the side. Mike and Sarah Slay, that's right, their name is Slay, They're your go-to guys for all your automotive repair needs. Mike, a Texas transplant, started working on cars in 1970 in his dad's shop when he was only 7 years old. He rebuilt his first motor when he was only 12. But just because he grew up in his dad's shop in Texas doesn't mean he doesn't know Mina. He's been coming here for years, since he was a kid. Mike and Sarah Slay love Mina and the wonderful community here, and they're ready to work for you. He's an ASE certified master, senior L1 advanced level service technician. Now, I don't know what that means myself, but I think it means my man knows his stuff. They do everything from classic cars to modern cars, heavy equipment like tractors, to small engines. If you can drive it, they can fix it. He also does stuff like AC and heating, electrical work, and even rebuilds carburetors, which nobody in Mina does. And he does it well, man. Man, are you tired of that six-week waiting time you got with other shops? Mike's Auto and Diesel does it in a day. So get on over there to Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. The shop with that big jacked up car in the front and the angel wing mural on the side of the building. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. Again, that's 479-234-9513. Check them out on Facebook at Mike's Auto and Diesel. And ask them about their Dogecoin and cryptocurrency. Man, they're crazy about that stuff. Mike's Auto and Diesel. They slay the competition. Eh? Hey, you see what I did there? because their last name is Slay. I thought it was funny. Anyway, now back to the show. Now, before I continue on to this next part, I want to give a trigger warning. This is the first, but not the last that I'll be giving throughout this two-part series. This is a very sensitive part of the story, and it gets a lot more disturbing from here. If you are sensitive to subjects like sexual abuse, sexual violence, or pedophilia, this could be triggering for you. Now, this show is here to entertain and to inform, but never to hurt the listeners. This next part is probably the darkest thing I've talked about on the show. If you can't listen to this next part and need to turn this podcast off, you are not gonna hurt my feelings. If you yourself are a victim of sexual abuse, I have two things for you. Number one, you are not alone. I love you and there are resources for you. Number two, I'm gonna provide you with the suicide prevention hotline number and the national sexual assault hotline. Suicide prevention is 1-800-273-8255 and the national sexual assault hotline is 1-800-656-4673. I'll be sure to put those numbers in the description. I love crime stories and darker things but I genuinely care about the safety of the people and if you are suffering, do what you gotta do to get help. There's your warning, let's get back to the story. So it was at this point that the punishment and abuse from Tony Alamo got substantially worse. There would be more arduous labor, forced fasting, and he of course would hit his followers. There's even a story of Tony forcing a child to hit his mother. Why? Because she misquoted a scripture. It makes you wonder if he ever actually read that book. These beatings and abuse stories are all over the Alamo cult. Even the forced labor is at an all-time high at this time. See Tony Alamo had several businesses, everything from construction to car washes. How did he finance these businesses? Well, think of all the money you'd save if you didn't have to pay your employees. His followers were essentially slaves to his cult, and it wasn't just adults who had to work and suffer his wrath, oh no, kids as young as 11 years old, some even younger Were forced into doing hard labor for Tony. And as far as punishment, he didn't believe in sparing the rod. As Tony Alamo's saying goes, if you don't work, you don't eat. The work across Tony's several businesses also included his clothing brand. That's right, in 1987 Tony Alamo developed his own line of highly decorated jean jackets because… You know, it was 1987. These jackets were airbrushed, very colorful, and were often adorned with popular brands like Pepsi and Barbie. The line was so popular that they were going for hundreds of dollars, even in 1987, and were worn by celebrities like Dolly Parton, Michael Jackson, and Mr. T, just to name a few, and remember, this was 1987. These celebrities were huge at the time. Some of the biggest celebrities in the world, all wearing Tony Alamo's jean jackets, made in the sweatshop of Tony Alamo's labor abuse. He forced these children into his factory, manufacturing his denim jackets making him millions of dollars. And the physical abuse, of course again, was also at an all-time high. So imagine you're a child in this cult. Of course to cope, you're going to make friends. Well, Tony got wind of how close the children were getting with each other. They were doing things normal 12 or 13 year old preteen kids do. Hugging, holding hands, even some of the older kids kissing. Tony, however, did not think this was normal. The kids participating in this were branded as quote sinners and fornicators because Tony believed that touching another person for any kind of enjoyment was a sin. Because of this, he punished the kids harshly. One by one, the kids were all loaded onto buses and driven to one of the buildings Tony owned. The kids were herded into a room and in one corner of the room the children sat. In the other corner of the room were five men. One of these men was largely considered one of the biggest men in the entire organization. Presumably, Tony Alamo instructed him specifically For this because of that. He was holding a three foot long paddle with holes drilled into it and an inscription from the bible reading, Spare the rod, spoil the child. The other four men took these children and strung them up in the air off the ground one by one and beat them with this paddle. Now I'm not talking about the kind of punishment that a regular child would get. No, this huge man would hit these kids with his paddle 100 times each. There are reports that by the 40th or 50th lick, their eyes would just roll back into their heads from the pain. Of the people Tony ordered to be beaten was his own adopted son the previously mentioned, Ben Risha Labor and physical abuse wasn't the only abuse suffered by members of the cult. It's reported that around this time was when the first of the known sexual abuse from Tony Alamo started. He claimed that several underage girls in the church, of which their parents were members, were his, quote, brides, and he would force himself onto these young girls who were helpless against him. Despite what he might have said or even thought in his own mind, Tony Alamo was no man of God. He was a monster. Hey, thanks for listening to Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Be sure to follow us in other awesome shows on Facebook, Instagram, MySpace. Well, probably not in MySpace. But check us out. We're the Washtub Podcast. That's podcast plural. Also, be sure to check out the other amazing shows at thewashtubpodcast.com. That's, again, podcast plural. With an S. At the end of it. Someone should really look into that MySpace thing. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. For research for this episode, I use pewforum.org, expertgps.asp, People Magazine's documentary about the cult, encyclopediaofarkansas.net, and an article from the Texarkana Gazette. Links for my sources are, as always, in the description, along with the Suicide Prevention Hotline and the National Sexual Assault Hotline. If you are suffering, please get help. Script written by and all audio production by myself, Trey Youngdahl. Check out my website, treyungdahl.com. That's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L.com. Follow me on Facebook at Trey Youngdahl. Again, that's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L. Keep the shameless plug going by following me on Instagram at youngish.trey. That's Y-O-U-N-G-I-S-H dot Trey. Thanks for listening, and remember to stay safe and stay spooky.